Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Deep V's for Vendetta. Special edition internet blood sports! That's right, we're here to argue about stupid stuff. I am joined this afternoon by Jake and Ben from Before and After Movies. Jake and Ben, how are you doing today? Doing good. I Yo. was doing great until you got the name of our show wrong, though. But, you know. Wait, what? Fuck that? Fuck it up? No! No! <laughs> it's extremely important. I did fuck it up. <laughs> a show with 14 subscribers deserves a little bit more respect than that. Yeah. And no, actually, come to think me, of um, it, though, I think Jake I think, and Ben from movies before and after. Would you like to give us an, uh, you know, an outline of what the show is, where people can find it, and uh, why they should watch it? Oh man, you would ask some very simple questions like that. Um, yeah, so uh, me no, and that's what the name is. <laughs> Simplest question of all. <laughs> me and Jake have been friends for Jake a long and time, and um, and we've also been kind of cohorts in filmmaking and film viewing and so we have a show that we started back in 2017 called movies before and after and the title i think is pretty self-explanatory we will speculate on a movie before we go see it we will go and see it then we'll come back and we will talk about uh the movie after we saw it and compare it to our initial speculation and that's basically what each episode of Movies Before and After is. Um, to be perfectly honest, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we're going to get ready to do some new stuff uh, probably coming up in June. Which episode would you recommend people go and check out if they, you know? I'm gonna, go I'm gonna give that one. one I'm gonna give that answer to Jake. I would say probably our sharpest episode was our last episode that we published was Black Panther. That's where we really we got the format down. We kind of found a rhythm and. Uh, that was the closest to what was in our heads when we started was Black Panther. Yeah. So, uh, and that is also probably the film that my opinion has stayed the same the most yeah. since then is that it was all right. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, not quite enough of that. Let's get into a little bit of your all's background with, uh, you know, movies, film in general. What? We'll just start out with what kind of movies do you guys like watching, or do, do you guys uh, tend to rate the best, um, evaluate the best? Uh, what? Um, what's that movie? What's your background with movie criticism? It's like internet forums, and it sounds like some YouTube content as well. And uh, you know, what is? Uh, you guys have said you have some background with filmmaking as well. What sort of stuff do you do there? Uh, at what level? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, as far as film criticism goes, we've been kind of arguing back and forth about what we like for the better part of 15 16, years, 17, 17 years, years. Like that. who gives a shit anymore, yeah. uh, we stop counting. Uh, we also administrate a group on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash film posting, that has become fairly lively as far as, you know, spurring some pretty good debates and a lot of trash debates about the, what people <laughs> like and don't like. As far as our tastes, we're usually pretty similar. That's kind of what brought us together in the first place. We're both kind of art snobs, I think. Ben, would you say that's fair? I would say that's pretty fair. I have always – since I was born pretty much, I've always had like a video camera in my hand. One of my first like tactile uh, memories is – filmed your own birth. Is yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, okay. But as soon as I could like – hoist the big VHS family camcorder over my shoulder. Yeah. I did that and would make a That's bunch adorable. of stupid movies. And so that, 
that just kind of followed me. Uh, I still actually have a career in doing, you know, TV production and stuff like that. I could never really quite get away from it. Um, I met Jake when I moved down to South Carolina from Cleveland, Ohio, and we became pretty fast friends. And I think, I think it honestly started off as me indoctrinating you with all my favorite stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Requiem for oh God, a dream. Wait, are you the problem, Ben? Are you the problem? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm yeah, a horrible yeah, I mean, oh, that is a subject. You're not allowed to hang out with that Ben kid anymore. He's, yeah. uh, he's only dragging it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I remember that we uh, we would get together, and I think like Requiem for a Dream was one of the early ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we watched okay. fucking Barry Lyndon yeah. at the tender age of like 14. Yeah. Um, you know, real yeah. light fare for a couple of teenagers. Boogie Nights. Out. Boogie Nights, that's right. Yeah. You showed me Boogie Nights and Magnolia in the same night. Mm-hmm. And then I went home and shot myself. Um, you know, so that's kind of, we, we ended up clicking as far as our sensibilities go. And, uh, and then throughout high school, we were, in, we were in the same film production circle from a class in high school. And so we did a bunch of little little short films there that are honestly still pretty good. I'd still say. pretty good. I we've also uh, me and him have uh, begun collaborating him and on I. um a lot of different screenplays uh that we've been kind of brainstorming for years now actually. Yeah. And I think most of them are actually pretty good. Yeah. Some of them are bad. Yeah, oh yeah, we've had some we've had some some gutter balls, but most of them are, are hold up pretty well. One of these days somebody will see one of them and then It'll be... Uh, You'll make it big. Yeah. Well, I don't really care about making it big. No, I um, just want to get the... I just want to get the movies made. Yeah, I just kind of want to make the stuff I want to make. And, you know, like uh, okay. Kevin Costner said in Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come, and they will come hard. Hard? Come hard. I, come hard. God damn it. I've been listening to a... There's this song... <laughs> By air traffic controller, I think it's the band. If you build it, and they like repeat that line ten times, and it's obnoxious. But it's, it's in my workout playlist, so I've been thinking about that movie way too much recently. Um, okay, now uh, enough of that. Uh, I guess I'll give you a quick uh, for anyone listening um, who isn't as familiar with me as uh, say Ben and Jake are. Um, I don't always watch a lot of movies. I tend to watch animated movies, and yeah, you're I'm a weeb. In- Fuck you. Um, and I'm uh, couldn't afford it, honey. I, I generally look at the the narrative and what's actually going on in the story. Um, if I were to point out one thing I criticize or or uh, evaluate whatever. Um, okay. So with that, let's get on to uh the movie of the day. The movie of the day is Spring Breakers. Spring Break Forever. Jesus Christ. This starts already. This starts already by uh, some guy named Harmony, Harmony Corinne. Uh, Corinne. Corinne. As in, you will careen off the you road guys, mysteriously you if you say his by, name uh, wrong again. What? You guys have watched other stuff by Harmony Corinne, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. What What other stuff has he done? Was it in, in a similar style to this? Uh, yeah, I think there there are a few what I would call Harmony Corinne staples. Um, he's done some films. Uh, there. The, the earlier you go back, the lesser known they're going to be. Um, he did a film called Gummo, which is actually, actually filmed in Ohio, around where I lived. He actually, did, before oh, you cool. keep going, I would say that Gummo is probably one of the best representations of his work because everybody remembers this picture of a little kid in a dirty bathtub eating spaghetti. spaghetti. 
even if you've never seen the film, I've seen that. If you see the photo, you will immediately recognize it. Yeah. And that's pretty much everything you need to know about Harmony Kareen in one screenshot. Um, and then he's done a bunch of other stuff. Ben's a lot more familiar with that than I am. Yeah, so uh, he did Gummo. He did a film called Julian Donkey Boy, which was his con- his contribution to the Dogma 95, the now kind of like dead um, Dogma 95 ideal effort. of filmmaking that Lars von Trier began. Um, he's done a great movie called uh, Mr. Lonely uh, that focuses on um, an, a secluded island of a bunch of celebrity impersonators and the protagonist is a michael jackson impersonator um wait that actually sounds okay it's great it's a a, a, it's a great great film i think it's actually the one he did right before spring breakers so it's the movie just prior to that one Oh, and that then, makes sense. So he's creatively broke when he get, went into Spring Breakers. Okay, okay. There's a bit of an excuse coming together. Um, yeah, well... Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, okay. um, okay. <laughs> what I would say, though, is that uh, there there are a few Harmony Korean staples. There are a few things that are indicative of his style across his filmmaking, and one of those is a very documentary-style approach, uh, something that looks like it was recorded on a handy cam rather than um, something that looks polished and beautiful. Actually, Mr. Mr. Lonely is the exception to that. Every shot in that one is actually really nice. Um, but he also has repeated mantras of dialogue, so you'll often yeah. hear in his films uh, the same line of dialogue said over and over and over again. Um What's and, the three little girls come down to Florida line that a uh, um, Franco uh, It's like with? four little chickies uh, came down, down to the, the beach, beach, and then uh, four little chickies got out of my reach. Three, one little chickie got shot, shot in, in the, the arm, arm. and uh, and then I forget the rest. One little chickie went down to the farm. Yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's a recurring theme. If you if you're familiar at all with John Waters, he that's a really yeah. apt comparison because it's more of just a, a a weird little slice of life than it is about a concrete narrative. So most I've seen Hairspray. Is uh, is Hairspray at all um, representative of John Waters' other works? Oh, I actually have not seen Hairspray, the um, musical or the film. It's really good. It's really good. I would say that that's probably the worst primer to the rest of John Waters' movies okay. that you can get because it's his most mainstream. It's his mo- It's his easiest yeah. to follow. Um, if you watch like Pink Flamingos, is pure chaos, pure hippie degenerate anarchy. Yeah. Um, that's going to give you the best idea of where he's coming from as a filmmaker. Um, you know, I, I very much like Hairspray. But it's the least John Waters, John Waters film, if that makes any sense. Okay. I think yeah, it yeah, so actually like an apt comparison um, would would actually kind of be Spring Breakers, because I think in a lot of ways Spring Breakers is maybe the least Harmony Korean film. Yeah, that's fair. Harmony Korean's films. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so with that, um, actually, let's, let's let's get right into it. Uh, so, so like Jake was saying, he runs the uh, the, the film posting gr- group. No, Ben does too. He, it was it was very much a co-creation. Ben just doesn't uh, he doesn't take you, credit for it the way I do. Both of you run the uh, film posting gr- uh, group yeah. on Facebook, and uh, that's actually where this argument between us came up. Well, well, okay. Let's step back a second further. Um, back in October, uh, Jake and I were up in Pittsburgh for a Halloween party, and. We had watched Spring Breakers there. Hell yeah. Uh, I think Jaeger had thrown it on or something. And um, 
that's when I was exposed to the the horror the horror that is Spring Breakers. Wow. And uh, yeah, no, uh, fast forward fast forward to uh, at some point later, um, possibly around around like actual Spring Break time when the uh the the banner photo or cover photo or whatever for the the group was changed to something from Spring Breakers. For some reason, <laughs> everyone was like saying good things or like in support of that, and I uh well, yes, I mean trashing on it. <laughs> Uh, look at all my shit on that and uh sorry what was that jake look at all my shit yeah look at all my shit got tannin oil got my dark tannin oils got my nunchucks got shorts got a film cover on the film post and film group of the film that i'm in films like watching films yeah, yeah. So it started out something like that, and uh, Ben and I did it back and forth, and uh, I, I proposed that we just ended up blood sports and argue this out. But before we get into the actual argument, I want to do just a, a quick summary of what goes on in the movie, uh, what the, the premise behind it is, what the story is. And, oh, that's your first oh, mistake. Well, yeah, on. I can't wait to hear what yeah, you have to yeah. say about the background of this film. Yeah, Let's yeah. Hear it. All right. Oh, I was gonna ask one of you two to do this. Um, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> ben, do you want to take this? Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about breaking it down into uh, a structure, you have several girls that are college age and they're getting ready to go out for spring break, and they're spring break. They can't wait for spring break. They are sick of staying at home every year and being sheltered. Do you know where they're actually? And, do we know where they're actually from, or where they're actually going to college? Uh, they're in. I don't know exactly where they started. I know they end up in. I know the most of the movie takes place in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. But yeah, it's not St. Pete. It's at the. But uh, uh, I don't know. They're from Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, who cares? It doesn't even matter. Yeah, they're from nowhere. Okay. Um, it. it but so, anyways, they they want to go on spring break and party on spring break, but then they spring meet. Break. They they meet a guy. Uh, through happenstance, uh, that the that the world, a large amount of people in the world, presumably know about, and uh, he is known by the name of Alien, and um, they get roped into, they get roped into some things that probably extended beyond uh, the fantasy of Spring Break. It got a little bit more than they bargained for. Uh, okay, that's a good way to put it. Um. And yeah, oh, actually, I just found out the other day that Alien's actually based on a real person. Yes, Riff yep. Raff. And Riff Raff actually yeah, tried to sue yeah, Harmony Kareem and James Franco over the film. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Um, so that's a, uh, that's interesting. That's it's it's kind of hilarious that it is uh, kind of such a direct. I don't want to say rip off, but it is uh, you know, quite quite comparable. Oh my. Um, there's some differences. Uh, oh my, I think. sure, sure. There, there are a lot of differences uh, between the actual story of Riff Raff and Alien. Uh, for one. Riff Raff was actually known as someone, and still is known as someone, who uh, really hit the pavement for decades. Like, really, like, making a bunch of bootleg cuts and slinging his wares across. And you don't really see any of that in this film. In this film, you kind of see him, you know, allude to a line where he's like, you know, I, I, I wanted this, and so I got it. And you don't really... I, I don't know that there's a, a similar treatment of alien's character to the real riffraff because i think alien is a little bit maybe more entitled and just is in a scene where uh people are more willing to eat up what he's selling especially at the threat of gunpoint and you know all the other stuff that he kind of gets into okay okay that's um good a bit more background but with all that behind us why the hell do you two like this movie well 
because it's uh, amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this around. Um, okay. Because I feel like asking it the other way around is gonna be more illuminating. Mm. Why don't you <laughs> like it. this movie? So there there are a handful of things going into it. Um, Firstly, I think everyone is super annoying, uh, and it's just not not a pleasant watch. Um, just looking at, but between uh, James Franco's character Alien and just how 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 he acts uh, and um, all the girls in the movie, they're, they're I, I don't find them likable or enjoyable to watch. Um, the whole premise isn't really that convincing either. Of just Spring Break being this this mecca of young adulthood, where you you just go down and. Uh, you can find your no, no, I am not find yourself there. There's a joke within the movie, effectively, but where it's a, uh, um, it, it's the the ultimate scene for uh, you know, for parties in life, and it's uh, these girls are their lives are going to be changed when they go down there just magically suddenly, and they go down and have their uh, exciting times for a little bit. I knew it. Um, I knew it. I'm trying to think what else is just yeah, part of it is just I really don't enjoy watching it. I just uh, oh, I, I knew think it. It's not. I knew it. Yeah. What, what was that, Jake? Oh, man. See, this is why I wanted to ask that question to you instead of the other way well, around. Uh, see I, okay. Now. I, I, I wanted uh, two more comments first. Just go ahead. Before, go ahead. Uh, you get into, um, I guess, re- re- uh, rebutting that. Um, so I, I, there are some things I, I like about it. Uh, I like some of the form of how the movie is set up. Uh, in my opinion, in, in my analysis, it's has a lot of coming of age and um whatchamacallit uh fairy tale form to it where it uh coming of age wise in that they go to this fantasy world and return back home in some sense or but it, it's a, a subversion of genre form there where uh they come back home not changed for the positive or not changed at all or they don't come back home and um so i i like the the premise behind that i just uh don't think it's executed super well and um, also, I, I see a bunch of uh, fairy tale stuff in there with um, uh, James Franco's narration, the um, the three four little chickies, uh, that that little narration bit, and kind of seeing James Franco as almost a uh, uh, like an Odyssey character, like Cersei, who's trying to trap these uh, you know the travelers on her island, on his his island, the little uh, fantasy um, fantasy world effectively. So, um, I, I like some of the form of it, but I don't think it's executed very well or convincingly or excitingly. Um, yeah, but uh, again, well, just step back. A lot of it's just, I don't enjoy watching. I don't oh, think it's very like, fun or enjoyable movie. See, it's interesting. You mentioned Cersei because I would instead maybe compare it to Odysseus losing his sailors to the sirens. Because you oh, have no, these, too. yeah, so you, you have these, my head. you have these blondes that just have this demonic ability to party nonstop, regardless of how far it goes, and it gets to yes. a point where characters one after another will drop out of the narrative because they can't handle it. They don't want to party that hard, even James Franco. So yeah, yeah. So the film is an exercise in showing you that there's a point where the party's got to stop. Go ahead, Ben. Um, yeah, and I, I wanted to jump on something really quick before it slips my mind. I thought it was very interesting that you were saying that um, these characters are difficult to watch and the events in the film are somewhat difficult to watch because what I would say to that is that I see you, but I raise you. That all of that is done deliberately. 
the characters of especially the the two little chickies that end up uh, seeing this whole thing through to the end, they're kind of a, an archetypal incarnation of the absolute extreme. If you don't mind, really quick, I'm going to throw out a spoiler alert because I'm going to discuss the ending of the film briefly. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, like, um, what is spoilers, whatever. Uh, so what I would say is that you have to keep in mind that the film's plot builds around Gucci Mane and Alien. These are presumably two characters that essentially between the two of them, they kind of run the streets of St. Petersburg. Okay. These two extremely naive, but yet uh, endlessly determined in a way blondes, they, they end up actually uh, usurping both of them. They, they kill both of them. And um, I think that that's kind of interesting because they're not from St. Pete. They don't, they aren't from these streets. They, this is all very new to them, but they are just so endlessly determined to live out this spring break fantasy that they actually take out the two biggest kingpins in all of St. Pete's. I think that's a pretty interesting arc. And the fact that it makes you feel so dirty and so uncomfortable while you're watching is the point. Because as the film opens up, you're seeing all these people partying on the beach and dubstep and Skrillex is playing. And you're saying, wow, that's really fucking yeah, cool. I want to go there and see the tits. flashback to 2012. Yeah. And by the end of it, you're seeing the exact same thing. The footage doesn't change, but the context changes to the point where you as an audience member, along with Selena Gomez, both say, I want to get on a bus. I want to go back home. And that's what the movie's about, is making you just want to get away from the fucking party. Well, okay, okay. Firstly, uh, I don't think uncomfortable is the way I describe watching it. I think it's... It, it, not that scenes are uncomfortable. I, I was trying to get more at uh, unenjoyable or that like seeing the characters on screen, not that the, what they're doing is, uh, is, is makes me uncomfortable that what they're doing just isn't engaging or exciting to me. If uh, that, that's a appropriate distinction to make. Okay. So you were having trouble connecting to the characters then. Yeah, I, yeah, probably. Okay. Um, that may just like, what, be. What do you? What do you how, how do you connect them? What do you get out of watching these girls on screen? What do you get out of their exploits? Well, uh, when you, yeah. I think one thing I would say is that um, I've I've been in these environments on on quite a few occasions. Um, there's a lot that I can just simply empathize with, and I think that that's something that kind of carries me through this film and makes me enjoy it in a way. And, and I say enjoy loosely, like almost for lack of a better term, and I'll elaborate. So Would appreciate be fun or just to stick with uh, just – Appreciate. Appreciate or just simply empathize because I, okay. I have been in these kind of settings. I have been that kind of – honestly, I've been a blonde party girl, okay? I spent years doing that. And, <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I have to say that is a constant throughout the film – is that, you know, Harmony Kareen is kind of an older guy, you know, he's he's bordering on boomer age, but the, he is so plugged in to what this is actually like. In my opinion, every scene, every scene where you're in a flop house and they're playing pool or, the, you know, you're looking at the TV and the, the static is all on the TV and they're smoking a bowl and they're feeling no, my like little shit. On the TV. All no, of this, all of this really funny. stuff, all of this <laughs> stuff is is very real. 
it's very like I can remember being in a in an actual place that was really really like that. Yeah. And I've met people like this. And and yes, I have met these people and they're not my best friends because they they are unpleasant to be around. They're unpleasant to observe. It's unpleasant <clears throat> to be sitting there and going, "Oh my god, where did I how did I get myself into this situation?" <laughs> Why am I here? But I think that's what makes me appreciate the film is because it is very real and exu or invokes a lot of empathy in that way. So, Ben, would you say that it's fair that you identify with Selena Gomez wanting to get on the bus and get away from those kinds of parties where you're supposed to be having a good time, but it's too much? I absolutely do. But at the same token, almost like, um, uh, what's the word? A um, Not a disbandment, but a, a, a disconnect. Uh, no, but like I, I also empathize with the other girls who want to go out and party. Like I've been, I've been both of those. People. Yeah, I, I'm the person who wants to go to the absolute extreme. But when I reach my own personal extreme, I say, oh, you know what, this is a bit much. And now I'd really like to, you know, go rest my head on my own pillow again. And so maybe, so maybe you're saying that it's an exercise in finding your own personal extremes. Uh, I guess I, I I hate to label any film an exercise in any. Well, okay, but <laughs> but but you don't have to put it in a box like that. But I think saying. I think there's a lot to I think if you have had a similar experience or have even experienced similar things, that there's a lot that you could empathize with in this movie. I will say I could understand this movie not really being for everyone. Oh, certainly um, not. Especially no. if you know. You, if you're so removed from this kind of uh, thing, even if even if you're uh, an old lady who used to party back in the day, the context of the party back in that day is a lot different than the party in this day. So I guess the movie isn't for everyone. No, and I can understand why people wouldn't necessarily understand where the film is coming from, but if you have that, if you have that set of shared experiences in any form then for me it was very easy to tap into Selena Gomez and the other girls' characters in those moments where they reach that breaking point where they say, okay, I've had enough, I gotta go. But then the movie keeps going and it drags you further into the party, whether you like it or not, to a point where you look back at what you thought you were doing, just partying on the beach and getting fucked up listening to Skrillex, and it feels gross. What you were trying to do in the first place feels gross. And that, to me, is what the movie's about. So, so you got one thing right there. The movie drags. Um, with uh, spe Speaking of – so, so wh whether or not I can uh, um, relate to these parties, which, uh, you know, for all the house parties I've been to, it's not that, that abnormal or that, you know, crazy, um, let's say. But um, it's – it's not that part that I take uh, take issue with, uh, like relating or empathizing or, or seeing that that you know drive to party harder and harder. It's uh, uh, what I'm getting out of these scenes. It's, it's seeing it on screen where it's uh, a montage of all these clips of people mindlessly dancing. Um, where, so mindlessly. Not the problem with that oh. not being realistic, oh. but the problem is that oh. I'm getting nothing out of oh. it on screen. They're just playing a song, go to a two-second, like, overly artsy clip of someone dancing, go to the next one of somebody, um, you know, whatever, t uh, doing a line of coke, go to the next scene of uh, somebody shotgunning beer, et cetera, et cetera. And it go just goes on and on, and it's there's – I'm getting nothing out of it on screen. 
what what do you what do you so you can empathize with this so you can relate to it so you feel gross with the uh, relating to these these uh, people partying harder and harder and harder um other than that why why do they why does harmony kareen like show it like he does why does he just have these these uh artsy montage of artsy clips just thrown together with uh zero content on screen well i do have one theory about that and i think part of it is that um i think harmony kareen was trying to um troll mainstream audiences because every trailer they made for this movie made it look like it was the next like party movie like the next american pie or like the next you know the next whatever that Zac Efron movie was where he was on the beach with Robert De Niro and they Grandpa's were having, boy. you know, so it's like, I think that they just, I think part of it was he wanted to troll the mainstream audience into watching something that made them extremely uncomfortable. And I think, um, also, um, I, you know, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything, but I, I think really with what you were saying there earlier, you're um, questioning the use of our queen, Britney Spears, uh, in, oh, yeah. in montage form in, our, in this beautiful film um, that yes yeah. volumes mean, to our society. Well, okay, we do live in at least one society. I myself live in several, at least three that I know of, but... Anyway, no, but seriously, I think the reason that he makes a deliberate choice to mull over the same content matter over and over and over again is for that deliberate sense of fatigue. Because if you're able to buy it in the beginning where you say, wow, this party looks like a lot of fun, then if you see it over and over and over and over and over, that is your life through the duration of the film, by the end of it, you're going to be burnt out. You're going to be done. You don't want anything to do with it anymore. You've seen it so much that every time it shows up on screen, you get you get agitated. You're like, get on with it. Because the no, whole movie that, it's, is... It's not the... Go ahead. Sorry, finish. Uh, I was going to say, it's not the duration of the film, though. Like, the, the, the partying stuff kind of uh, tapers out about, you know, not even halfway through. I think I think the halfway mark is right when Selena Gomez goes home. Um, so, like, the actual partying bit is more an introduction to the movie, and then it gets into... The story with Alien and the, the you know all the drug wars and whatnot. Um, what, yeah, so it's it's not even fulfilling that. I can I can understand that that this trying to fatigue you with these scenes and have a, a more visceral reaction when they bring up another another party scene, another chick with her top off dancing with beer being poured down her face. That's I, yeah, I can understand that premise, but they don't even do that. They, they he quits halfway through, and it's uh, that's that's not even the movie anymore. It's a different movie, the second half. Right. I think that, again, is something that's extremely deliberate. I was actually just talking about this with Jake before the show, and um, I'm, I'm really glad you said this, because um, I've watched the film a few times now. I think I've probably watched the movie like six or seven times now. And, um, Jesus Christ. Okay. And um, I one thing I just noticed uh, when I was kind of prepping for this is I was, you know, just dusting it off and watching it in the background while I was cleaning the house, and... Um, Something I noticed that I had not noticed before is that, you know, when the film opens up, the the literal first images of the film, other than the titles, are people on the beach partying, tits out, people pour it, you know, yes. people shotgun and beers, do da da dee da dee and that's great. Um, what you'll notice is that they he keeps going back to that same set of shots with that same cast of um, secondary actors, extras, and stuff like that. Um, he keeps yep. bringing that montage kind of back in those same shots back over and over again. What I noticed this time around was that those shots indicated 
in a way, what the girls were going to Florida for. They were going there for that and to participate in that. And they never get it. They never get there. The only time they're really ever out on the beach is when they're hearing Alien for the very first time. And other than that, they don't really ever have that spring break experience that they actually set out for. What they end up having is they, they follow this alien guy down this rabbit hole of crime and uh, this, this kind of weird fantasy that they live out by being criminals, uh, if only for a day. Uh, and I thought that that was actually kind of interesting, is that they, they really never got the spring break experience that they set out for in the initial part of the film. Okay, I agree. That's I agree. That's actually very interesting, and I, I didn't process that. But uh, what what ends up being the point of that? Is the is well, is there a point trying to be made that say for exist say for example um, that this spring break uh, image doesn't exist, or that that wasn't what they really wanted, or that uh, just you know the, this rabbit hole they went down was more important? Uh, what do you think that there's a point being made with doing that? I think it's just that the harder they tried to chase the fantasy, the harder the reality hit them in the face. Because when you have oh, yeah, this idea of what so, yeah. you're what yeah. you want is this big elaborate beach party, but then you end up getting shot in the arm. That's where you that's where the fantasy element falls apart. And so there's a point where you have to get real about what it is you're actually doing. Are you really partying on the beach? Or are you playing with guns? And that's okay. why a lot of that fantasy element jumps, chops off as soon as the voice of reason leaves on a bus at the end of the first act. When Selena Gomez leaves, our anchor to that former fantasy is gone. So now all we have is this rabbit hole where they're trying to go for this imaginary spring break that doesn't exist. And in its place are guns, drugs, sex, and violence that is ultimately not – it's not what they wanted. Well, I uh, I might argue that for the, the uh, two chicks at the end, it isn't necessarily like not what they want or it's not counter. Okay. To, uh, yeah, then characters. that's fair. And I, the way I see their characters, and this could be some matter of debate, but what my conception of those characters is that they embody that adventurous desire to go on spring break. They're willing to go to any extent to get the party that they set out to go for, even to the point where these hardened gangsters shy away or are ultimately killed by their adventurous spirit. They're more of uh, they're more of a demon than an actual character. That's exactly what I was going to bring up because at the the beginning of the movie, one of the old ladies talking to Selena Gomez or one of the, the ladies from her church or whatever, is saying, "Oh yeah, those girls are are have the devil in them or are demons or some something like that." And um, that's exactly how how I saw them by the end of end of rewatching the movie this last week is that they they just uh, when they go further than the gangsters when like. Uh, Alien and what's Gucci? When Alien and Gucci are are like not on board with this anymore, even themselves, so they can't keep up, can't stay alive. Um, with that, that shows just what what pure embodiments of uh, demons or devils that the uh, that the girls actually are, or what the, what the characters are supposed to represent. Which is, I thought I I, I thought that was actually an interesting good part of the movie where they um were able to kind of uh, put them more in uh, put the, these two girls in more a sense of uh, 
archetype or um, symbol. Yeah, they're very they're sense. very yeah. symbolic. They're they personify yeah. this this desire that if at the end of the movie you can still identify with those two characters, I really worry about you as a person because you shouldn't. <laughs> you should be yeah, that's a, you that's should a real be scared. Psychopath you are then. Yeah, I mean the any sane person should about halfway through the movie say i can't handle these two this is this is more than i can handle and i think that that's kind of i think understanding that is kind of the key to getting the movie is how much of those two are you willing to put up with how much are you willing to party with the devil before you have your fill and if you're riding the lamborghini into the sunset at the end you're fucked and I think in in a way it's you're you're kind of not only are you partying with the devil, but you kind of killed the devil and made it your own party afterwards. So I think that that is just something that I like about the movie a lot is that they managed to um, not manage to like they were trying to, but the way the circumstances are at the end of the film, you know, they they killed two of the biggest kingpins ever, and they take the enemy of their boys, uh, Lambo, and they speed on down the road, and that's it. Um, on to the next thing. You know, you could probably make a sequel to this movie with those two. Uh, I'm not saying that I'd recommend it, and I think maybe somebody even did. I heard some rumor of a sequel that <laughs> Harmony Kareen was not going to have any part of, thank God. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's kind of an interesting... Um, I guess dichotomy between what you perceive as normal every day. Like you go to work and then you're going to, you know, on Friday night, you're going to get ready for the weekend. You're going to go and party. And you kind of, in a way, turn into like a whole different person if you are going down that party rabbit hole enough. And oh, then yeah. on Monday, you got to kind of come back to it. And I feel like, in a way, this movie compresses that experience into an hour and a half, where you uh, well, kind of feel like you've I, – I, every time I watch this movie, it's literally like an hour and 33 minutes long. And every time I watch it, by the end of it, I actually feel like I've kind of gone through like a week. <laughs> like I kind of feel like it's been like a week. I'm coming out of the cave. Now the recording. Hurts. So I can keep going. Uh, when I, you know, with the sun hurts my eyes when I go outside after watching a movie like this. Um, yeah, you know. need some Pepto-Bismol. It's one of those, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's an art film because you're not supposed to feel good. It's not the kind of thing that you watch it and you go, oh my God, well that was great. Let's go talk about it at the ice cream shop after we get out of theaters. You're kind of down, you know, and it's, it's not light fare. By any means. It has to be the kind of movie that you are psychologically prepared for before you watch it, much the same way that I don't just put on Requiem for a Dream if I'm throwing a party. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a downer. Okay, uh, I want to uh, step back a second. Um, yeah, Ben, you, yeah, so apparently in 2014 there was a, a sequel announced with no, no relation to Harmony Kareen and that um, uh, it has not come out yet or never came out from what I understand. Good, what I understand. Good. But um, looking forward, what would a sequel to this movie look like? I think if you what is your proposed sequel to this movie? I don't think there is a good sequel to this movie, but I do think that if you were, if a gun were to be put to my head, like when 
when when Alien does that <laughs> weird face at like that's on the cover of film posting right now. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash Um I think it's fucking Christ. I think that movie would have to be about those two girls. Like, what did they do right after that movie cuts to black? Yeah, and who did they find? Well, what, are they, what are their character arcs? What do they do then? What happens well, to the character arcs? I don't, you go on Okay, that yeah. Here's the thing. Okay, yeah, Ben's stepping out for this one. This film has no character arcs because all of the characters remain fairly static. Maybe you could yeah. argue that James Franco has one because he goes from being a violent, hardened, confident thug to being intimidated at the idea of going to war with Gucci Mane. But that's not really an arc in and of itself. No. This film is an anti-plot, as defined by Robert McKee. So I, I okay, okay, wait, um sorry, what does an anti-plot mean in that definition? Okay, so you have an arc plot, and an arc plot is Dorothy is tired of her home in Kansas, she gets swept away by a, a tornado, and through a series of challenging challenges and obstacles, she learns to appreciate where she came from and overcome her personal flaws. That's the standard that's, hero's journey. That's a typical the, plot. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I, I think this movie has a regular plot. It just doesn't have the regular character arcs or regular uh, conclusion. To well, the plots. I think plot the, is this, this movie's it's a coming of age story pretty much. It, it has the these these girls the whatever they go to a fantasy world and uh, uh, try to experience some change, try to overcome um, their their uh, uh, what they felt like was lacking in their life. Yeah. And, uh, but but the like I was saying, beginning of subversion is they don't they don't actually change or they go back home unchanged or they just stay there forever. So yes, and plot it, it has is... a very clear plot, but you know the, the well, there's a difference between plot per se and a sequence of events that chain from one to another because a plot's purpose is to bring a character's change into the open, and if you don't have that, then it can't by necessity be an arc plot if you look at a film like no country for old men or capote or Shaun of the dead the character does not fundamentally change from the beginning to the end of the film even though a series of events have taken place with cause and effect so an arc plot as defined doesn't apply here there is no change in characterization an anti-plot okay. is more about exploring one common theme. Give me just a okay. second. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't need a character arc to make a movie work. Sometimes you're exploring an idea. Shaun of the Dead is my favorite example because Shaun starts the movie as a homebody who doesn't want to change. He ends the film as a homebody who doesn't want to change. The series of events in the film did not inform a change in his character in the slightest. If anything, it reinforced it to the point where we, the audience, better understand it. And that's the whole point yeah. behind Spring Breakers. They're not trying to draw any new light from the characters themselves. They're trying to use the characters as tools to shed light on, a, on an idea. So there is no plot as far as character development goes. It's uh, an I, I would argue. I would argue that uh, although the characters don't change themselves, 
that from perception at the beginning of the characters to understanding at the end of the characters that we as viewers experience uh, experience a character arc. Yes, um, kind of we 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 experience an arc with our expectations of the character's plight because. Yeah. You could ostensibly be excited for them to go on spring break and party and have a good time. And by the end of the movie, you're tired of it, yada, yada, yada. So we're the ones who have a character arc, we the audience. And that's the point of an anti-plot. An anti-plot may have a series of cause and effect events that inform the goings-on of the film itself, but that's not the point. The point is to elucidate some kind of feeling in the audience based on the subject matter. So you can look at There Will Be Blood, where you understand what an absolute maniac this guy is just by watching him not develop throughout the film. Same thing with Shaun of the Dead. Same thing with Spring Breakers. There's no development on screen, so the development has to happen with us. And that's kind of the core of where this movie hits. And a lot of people are expecting a film that has a traditional hero's journey. You know, the character has a flaw, they have a challenge, they overcome the challenge, they realize something about themselves. You're not going to yeah, find yeah. that here. Other than it's the premise of the movie, but it's just, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not executed that way intentionally. It's, um, that's not the plot or story of the movie. Um, but, but with, uh, with all that, what do you, what do you see happening to the characters in, or what do you see being done with the, the, the characters in the story in the, in a uh, supposed, um, sequel? In a sequel. I, I think they would, um, die. I honestly, I don't think, I think they'll keep chasing this life until it drags them down and they, uh, end up like Gucci Mane and Alien. I think they would end up dead, uh, eventually. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't really know if I want to imagine that sequel. To be honest, yeah, with I mean, you, can, just, you can just say. Well, that, no, that I there, think there's no legitimate sequel to this. I so think a, no, I think a sequel characters. has already been made in spirit. Is the Wolf of Wall Street because the Wolf of Wall Street is about a guy who is so in love with the fantasy of money that he is willing to chase it down no matter what happens to the point that it absolutely destroys him as a person. There's no character growth. There's no development. It just shows you the consequences of that fantasy. And so if well, you were to make a sequel to Spring Breakers, it would be two blondes that work for Jordan Belfort. No, oh, okay. That's um I, I see a bit of a difference between uh, these two scenarios in that um say a, a Wolf of Wall Street sort of thing, he's going to act very he acts very differently under different circumstances. Although his character may not change, he's put in different circumstances where he's going to re react uh, in certain ways, and there's going to be some sort of progression. Whereas with Spring Breakers, say at the very beginning of the movie, or uh, pretty early on in the movie, when they are um, uh, holding up and robbing the um, pancake place, whatever the hell it was, wherever they got to the money for, to go on Spring Break. Um, Can we talk about that first that shot of that movie. sequence, So it's, it's not oh, like yeah. there's an actual uh, change in circumstance there. No, I mean, they start off where they end off, is willing to do violent things to have a good time. Um, that right there tells you that nothing changes substantially from beginning to end. It doesn't matter what events transpired from beginning to end of the film. Those two blondes were the, were the same people throughout the film, unlike Dorothy Gale, who learns to appreciate her family. Yeah, and it's uh, they're they're it's not just that they're the same people; it's that they're doing the same things. Uh, whether it's a literal gun in their hand or a, a squirt water gun in their hand, 
they're doing the exact same things from the beginning and end of the movie. Yes. Um, okay. Now, do, 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 I, my my big question to coming uh, coming back to the, the the movie as a whole is why the hell did it have to be so artsy? Why? What was the premise behind making every shot an artsy shot and um, trying to ooh, have it in this this uh, faux documentary style and narration and whatever? What what is the point behind that? What what did you, you guys get out of that? Well, that's a, I think that's an odd question. If I'm being completely honest with you, what's What's the point in um, starting a painting and using the color red on a brushstroke? It's because you like it. As a creator, you like to do something. And it's it's absolutely one of the mainstays of Harmony Korine's style is to tell things in an anachronistic manner and to have art, uh, something artistic or what he perceives to be artistic uh, happening on screen. I think part of it was... Listen, Harmony Korine's a human being, so I'm sure part of it was, hey, I finally have a, a movie in most major theaters across the U.S. after these decades that I've been putting into doing this. I may as well use this opportunity to be about as much of the antithesis of the mainstream as I could possibly be. And uh, I thought um, it was pretty interesting, the contrast between the marketing material for the film and the actual film itself, and I think, you know, I'm really hoping, at least, it's like the fantasy I cling to, is that I hope Harmony Kareen had an influence over that, because I feel like there's really something decisive there, is let's cut the trailer, like this is going to be a great time, and let's show you a film that basically puts a mirror to the audience you came here to spring breakers to basically go on a mini spring break and i'm going to show you why you're not getting it and i think that is part of the motivation behind the film is that it's very i guess to beat a dead horse and say that old word that we love on the internet so much it's meta very meta. Yeah. It's meta yeah. in its execution outside of the framework of even being in the theater to sit down and watch the film. It's reached you on a level, on a visceral level, that almost in a way, like the apple in whatever that classic Grimm story is, you it lures you like the apple into that experience, and then you very quickly realize this is not what I signed up for. And what you might notice there is that that's the exact same thing that the characters are experiencing throughout the entirety of the film. Damn, that's did, pretty did good. Did you watch this in theaters? Huh? Did you guys watch this in theaters? I did. I saw it in theaters. I, I never got a chance okay. to catch it. Okay, yeah, I, I kind of completely missed that one when it was actually coming out. Um, or whatever the reason, I don't know. But I was back in high school. Um, okay. I'm still not... So, yeah, there, there's this whole whole uh, point behind the movie, or the whole action behind the movie of it, it being a... Uh, I don't want to keep saying the word subversion, but kind of... Yeah, subversion of... Uh, expectations both with the um, he subverted our expectations it's, it's fair though because harmony kareen generally tries to subvert your expectations oh, or yeah. if he's not trying to subvert your expectations he is trying to subvert the what most people think is palatable to watch in, in a film 
Okay. Yeah. No, I, I just I just think it's a, an overused phrase, or it can be. A, I feel obnoxious saying subvert subversion of expectations or whatever. Well, you, Ryan you, Johnson uh, kind of killed that phrase. So. Yeah. <clears throat> you should feel obnoxious, but not for that reason. Oh fuck oh, you! Damn. Um, it is gross. Uh, okay, just a couple other random things about the movie. Um, just a small little thing. Is uh, Selena Gomez's grandma supposed to be dead? What? Oh, I don't. I don't know the voicemails that, that she's supposed to be dead. But I will but she's say on the this. Phone. I'll be honest with you though. Um, I really like that you brought that um kind of sequence up in a way because you know that's one of my favorite things about the movie. Actually, is I really love the fact that he takes all that party footage and quiets it down and does a direct contrast through montage. That's such a Harmony Kareen thing to do, by the way. The the grandma the voicemails are such a indicative uh, indicative to the style of Harmony Kareen and throughout his work he's done little montages like that. And I really liked it because I've I can empathize with that. Again, I can really empathize with calling my grandma. You know, I had a grandmother who was uh, – she died of Alzheimer's. And so I would call her every week to just check in, and I was getting to the age of 19, 20 years old. And when I would call her, she would start asking me what I'm learning in school. And I knew that what I would need to say is things like, oh, I'm doing multiplication. You know, we learned how to do a hand turkey oh, wow. okay. in art class because she didn't see me as 20-year-old Ben anymore. She saw me as 5-year-old Ben. And, um, you know, there's, there's a direct contrast between what was actually going on in my life and what I was telling my grandma because that's what my grandma wanted to hear. She's an old lady. She wants to know that I'm doing well and that I'm safe and that I'm okay and that I'm loved. And, and that you're that's, finding yourself. And that I'm finding myself, and I'm making so many new great friends. <laughs> you're making friends. so many good friends. You know, I love lifelong friends. I love, people are so nice down here. Yeah, and I love the part where she says, you know, she's like, you know, next next year I want to come back with you. Because what that is, is that's a blatant lie. It's a blatant denial of what she's actually experiencing, and it's juxtaposed with the editing of the film. And so you have a very tactile, I think a lesser equipped director. Would, would have found some way to, like, shoehorn uh, a cautionary tale. Like, don't tell your grandma. Don't tell your grandma lies because, you know, she'll find <laughs> out eventually. You know, instead, grandma's never going to find out. Grandma's going to die thinking that her daughters were sweet little angels. But really, every time they were on the phone with her, they were up to some debaucherous, you know, awful shit. Because they just had to, you know, save face and then get back to what the goal was, which is to get into as much debauchery, drugs, and quote-unquote fun as they could possibly get into. And the quote-unquote fun is really the whole at the whole part of the movie, is that it's not fun. Yeah, that it's a quote-unquote, not actual fun or whatever, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> huh, huh, oh, huh. I don't know what to... Do you, do you guys have anything else you want to argue in, in favor of the movie? I'm, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Oh, sorry. Do you guys have anything else you want to argue in favor of the movie? Um, I mean, the 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 Britney Spears sequence is oh is pro po probably oh, the greatest thing ever committed. Yeah. To well, there are two Britney Spears uh, scenes, right? There's the one of the parking lot where they're dancing and singing, and then there's the uh, the the actual montage. Listen, where, um, I'm talking about the Britney Spears sequence. Bro, there's two. He's right. <laughs> 
I know, but I'm talking about the <laughs> one. Yeah, no. Uh, the, the, the montage where James Franco and the blondes are going on their crime rampage is if you if you can stomach that scene then that whole movie makes a lot of sense because you're seeing what they think is happening these demonic blondes are having the time of their lives doing the most heinous shit i've ever seen and it's juxtaposed against this britney spears song that is honestly very pretty very nice but you're feeling rotten for enjoying it. Yeah, but for, I for enjoying what you're seeing. I think too what it what it shows you is a basic um, human disconnect that happens with everybody. You know, Louis C.K. I hate. I know it's like a bad word now to say Louis C.K. But he had a great bit about how you know everybody likes to have their believies. They like mm -hmm. to have their feelies, and that's I think what that scene is about. That scene is about like you know. Britney Spears, if there was ever an angel on earth, it's her in this beautiful song, and I, I really relate to these lyrics. And This the, movie came out in 2012. There's no, uh, there's no image of Britney Spears being an angel. Well, she's a but human that was, being. That was what he said. That was Alien's perception of her, was that he said if, oh, if okay. there ever was an angel on this earth, it's Britney Spears. And what, what I'm saying is that if you listen to the lyrics of the, the Britney Spears song, it's all actually very hopeful and pretty and beautiful. And, you know, even though there's maybe some dark times, it'll it'll all turn around. And that's his beliefies. That's what he feels. That's why he knows how to play it on the piano and sing it, because he's passionate about what the song is and what it contains. And the sequence, I think, is just so well executed because everything you're seeing is how he actually lives. It's about how he actually acts toward other people. He pistol whips them. He points guns at innocent women. He does innumerable, despicable things. But at the end of the day, he likes coming home to his piano and playing this beautiful Britney Spears song. So I, Wait, I like that yeah, sequence so, a lot because of that. So what's the point of that in James Franco's character? Like, what is is it just to um, kind of have that juxtaposition? Is it to show uh, some naivete in him and his uh, his, his personality? He's, he's not naive at all. Is, I'll pull a direct quote. A direct quote was: "Some people want to do the right thing. I want to do the wrong yeah. thing." I disagree actually with Ben here. Um, to me, the idea behind James Franco is to give the audience what they would expect to be the high watermark as far as what we can't stomach. He's a gangster who sells drugs and robs tourists. I can't relate to that. However, these two demonic blondes are so bad and so despicable that there's a point in the film where even he says, fuck this shit, I'm out. Where he he can't take it anymore. I can agree and, with that. Yeah, and so for me, he's like that uber extreme example of the audience's ability to put up with something until they can't. But okay, so in in, in premise, that's all nice and good. But uh, why did he have to be an, a character who is just insufferable, both personality wise and with everything he said and. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Why? Why? Why did they have to execute it like they did, or put it in the form of that character, that acting, um, that uh, you know, the lines he said? Probably because, in my limited experience on Earth, I have met about Quite a few. A, people yeah, I've like met him. a dozen people exactly like him that 
are still human beings. They still have their, their private concerns and they have a heart. But there is this side to them that wants to have a good time regardless of the cause. But is maybe even obligated to do that. You know, you have to remember that this guy is a direct rival with the other biggest kingpin in St. Pete. So he's he may have to be somebody he maybe doesn't always want to be because he's got to keep up appearances. What do rich people do all the time? Keep up appearances. They lease a new Bentley. After they get rid of the old one, they make sure that their watch is a paddock. You know, they make sure that their wallet is Gucci. I can't, I can pull out a wallet right now and nobody's going to be able to see across the street what brand name it is, but people are going to buy that Gucci wallet because that is part of that societal thing that they're trying to maintain. You know, you have to understand this character that James Franco plays is the guy who's playing second fiddle to Gucci Mane's character. He's trying to control these streets the way that. Gucci Mane used to, or or is still currently, um, you know. So there's, like Jake said, he's still a person. He still has his own internal beliefs. At the end of the day, he has he still has maybe dreaming. You know, you don't know he could want to be a painter, but you just don't see that because it's just not what it's about. Well, and the tragedy here too is that at the end of the day, he succumbs to the same fantasy, the same unrealistic idea of how much fun he can have that Selena Gomez and the director's wife's character have that just doesn't mesh with reality. He wants to be a gangster. He wants to have all his shit, all his nice things. He wants to live his life a certain way, but there does come a point when confronted with reality that you can't take it anymore. And that to me is really the heart of the movie is how much can you stomach for a fantasy? And if you don't identify with James Franco's character, that's okay. He serves the same function as Selena Gomez. It just doesn't look like it at first. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, branching off of the, the, again, how, how much can you stomach in this movie um, and uh, things being, or what we were talking about a bit earlier with the party scenes and things being uncomfortable, just how much, uh, how much they're repeated. Um, I was thinking with, uh, so pretty much all the party scenes are, or, or a majority of the party scenes, the, the time then spent then is shown in montage form, but it's a effectively completely different song overlaid than would actually be playing at the party. It's not a, uh, again, it's very artsy. It's not a very, um, uh, you know, direct or, um, experience of the party and soundtrack well, except for a couple of random clips what is um like if they want to if a uh, uh, harmony kareen wants to make the audience uncomfortable with that wants to keep pushing that the the party scenes more and more um or or uh, very scenes make you uncomfortable why show it that way why show it in montage form why make it so uh, uh pleasant to look at and artistic if it's uh supposed to be so discomforting well, the fact that you're asking proves him right because it doesn't work for you. It doesn't mesh with what you would expect to be seeing accompanied with the audio or the audio you would expect to be accompanying scenes like that. The disconnect, the musical irony is a word that I, I don't know if anybody else uses it, <laughs> but it's something that you'll see a lot in Quentin Tarantino movies. You'll see it in a couple of Edgar Wright movies. Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson's oh, yeah. really good at it. But yeah, there's a lot of musical irony where the fact that the song is a deliberate disconnect 
with what we're actually seeing on screen is the entire point because our brain is telling us Britney Spears, nice song. I should be feeling good about this. Then the guy gets pistol whipped. Yes. Holy fucking shit. And you should not feel good at any point. No, okay. And the reason those montages exist is to make you feel bad. And I think part of it, too, is I think part of the anachronistic nature of the montage that you see throughout the film. And again, I'm going to just say it again. It's a big part of every Harmony Korine film is the anachronistic montage. It's just a stylistic, artistic perspective that he chooses to take. And he chooses to tell stories that he believes work with that as part of the context. Um, but I think that anachronistic uh, montage is really built to give you just more of an overarching feeling, uh, uh, a thing that you feel rather than, oh, well, you know, event A happens before event B. And then, you know, naturally event B leads to event C and then event C leads to event D. He's not really interested in doing that. He's interested in just kind of maybe showing you, oh, yeah, part of, part of event D actually creeps into like event A. You know, you see his, his uh, fingers shot off. Uh, which is something that happens way towards the end, somewhere in the beginning. And that's because it gives you a sense of foreboding. It yes. gives you this amalgamated feeling of just, ugh. And that is the ultimate purpose of an anti-plot versus an arc plot, is it's less about the logical progression of ideas moving from point A to point B, and it's more about what it does to you while you're sitting there watching it. Um, you know, the the visceral gut reaction to it is the point. And if you find it repugnant or boring, good, because that's what he's going for. Okay, so there, there are a couple things with that. Um, with, with the musical irony, uh, I'm not sure whether or not it's good or bad, but I'm thinking, say, for example, in um, uh, Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the, the final scene with uh, the, the whole uh, fight murdered stuff, or home defense stuff um they, they, have, they have like a silly song playing that right or some upbeat song yeah i can't remember what it is but it's 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 yeah. at one time it was a pop song that you wouldn't normally associate but, with that but how that was presented i remember that being more a drastic shift in tone from the rest of the movie and uh, almost a comedic scene with how they portray it whereas in spring breakers when they do something like that it is, a, it is by no means a comedic scene or even a shift in tone from the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is stuff like this happening it's horrible stuff happening on screen um so it's i i don't see that musical irony being particularly effective in that sense at least and um again with the the uh, the the um visceral physical reaction to watching something uh watching this it was more, for me personally at least it was more not necessarily being being uh, upset or uh, like you know, having that sort of reaction to what was happening on screen. It was more being uh, well, my visceral reaction was annoyed because I just didn't like the stuff, didn't like the the presentation. But um, so you think was, the movie's uh, tedious? Uh, definitely, definitely. I felt like I think it feels like it's twice as long as it is um, to begin with. I, again, I think that that's a very, I think that's a very deliberate thing. I I, uh, I, the, I can understand yeah. and honestly I'm willing to just always agree with somebody who just says, you know, what movie wasn't for me. But a lot of the things, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, a lot of the things that you're finding to be negatives of the film, I believe are actually integral to the deliberacy of the design of the narrative. So I, 
I, I feel like you being annoyed with certain things is almost a testament to the movie, if that makes any sense. I think it's a testament to not being executed well. Because I, I, I can understand the premise you guys, and looking at the movie and uh, understanding how it, uh, better now how it was uh, presented, it came out in theaters and, and whatnot, I can, I can get behind like everything he was trying to do. I just don't think, don't think it was that well executed or that it was executed to be successful. Um, then you know what I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn that question because we've been doing a lot of answering of questions here, so I'm okay. gonna turn that question around on you. Why do you think it wasn't well executed? What would you have done differently? Yes. What if Josh uh, Schmido Schmash directed this film? Uh, how would it be different? Oh goodness gracious! I mean, to begin with, I wouldn't make uh, well. I wouldn't make a film with the incidentals. I wouldn't make. Uh, I would. I would do the exact same. I would do the story, but not Spring Break related because it. Uh, I just don't think that was a, a fun way. To, it, like um, like a sort of uh, Larry David Seinfeld um explanation of what makes a good sitcom is the location. I think the location screwed this up a bit, where that just didn't uh, didn't uh, vibe with the viewer or didn't vibe with me. Um, and I mean it's not a sitcom, but uh, just that that experience of watching something. Um, but I think the story itself is good and all the, all the um, uh, subversions for something that, uh, you know, everyone wants or wants to go party, wants to go enjoy this, so that it's, it's not what they expected. Um, if, uh, if I were to direct it, I, I personally would, uh, I wouldn't do it as, I wouldn't do it artsily, art, artsily, I don't know, in an artsy, uh, uh, with such, art, such artsy-based cinematography, um, I, uh, I personally don't. Um, so you would make it look like shit. Or, or oh, no, 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 Ben. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Ben? Nothing. Ignore him. Keep going. I'm gonna, okay. I'll am gonna. i pistol whip him for you. <laughs> what have yeah. I done? <laughs> I, I, would, uh, I would do the montages differently, and um, I would uh, uh, probably say, uh, for example, um, have it start out with the montages like it does. Um, go more into, like, probably about halfway through the movie, have it be just completely real scenes, almost like a... Uh, like cell phone footage of a party just falling apart or people not enjoying it anymore and then later go back to the montages just to bring it back to that just effectively how i would execute that way of having a visceral visceral reaction to the party scenes uh repeated over and over again in certain ways so you Um, would be more straightforward about actually presenting the degradation of our party so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Because I, well, how it's presented now, I don't feel like I get anything out of these. These. Ge- so yeah, there's the general feeling of what's going on. Where, where you're the, you have this experience watching it. I don't feel like I get anything out of that though. I don't feel like that actually tells the what or, or expresses what he wants it to express, um, or what you guys are explaining that it that it does. And um, yeah, I just think it, it's it ends up just being a, a, a mishmash, amalgamation of some of these scenes and experiences and montages, and it doesn't end up doing anything that it's. Uh, so in essence, supposed to be doing. in essence, you you want to see this movie directed by Darren Aronofsky? Oh yeah, that's um, actually pretty, yeah. I would say that's a fair. Wait, did, did he do Requiem then? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Black Swan, uh, The Wrestler, Mother, Mother. <laughs> actually, that might be a fascinating film. Um, sure, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, because he's very good about not being so. Well, he's not repetitive. I think that's no, one thing. No, he's not repetitive. Harmony Kareen does. I, I guess that there's one uh, drawback that I would give to this film is that 
you know, he really likes to shove that theme in your head. Like, he'll literally have a line of dialogue that he repeats 15, 16 times. Now, the reason I don't generally... things that are just, like, repeated throughout the movie. Yeah. You could call it repetitive, I call it rumination on a theme, and I think, honestly, both interpretations are fine. Yeah. Because this movie's not for everyone. But, like I said, too, again, that is something that just goes back to his general style and his general approach. And, you know, you're not going to take... You can take the girl out of Kansas, but you can't take Kansas out of the girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, that's <laughs> just his general approach is to restate the theme uh, multiple times and um, do it in a way that he believes is artistic or might be perceived as such. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, I, there's really no fight here because I, I get why not everybody likes this movie. I actually went and saw the movie in theaters like we were talking about earlier, and I saw a, a couple of people I was with that had this, a very similar uh, perspective as Josh has, which is, uh, you know, just it just didn't do it for me. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We, I mean, this, is a t- this movie is a tough pill to swallow if it doesn't hit your vibe. Yeah, it is very much oh, a mood. Oh, sorry, finish, Jake. No, that was it. Oh, sorry. Uh, ben, when you went and saw the theaters, what what were your expectations going in? Uh, did you watch trailers ahead of time? Did you expect it to be some party movie, or were you familiar with Harmony Kareen? Well, I was I, I was extremely familiar with Harmony Kareen, so I think, really, I didn't watch any trailers for it. Um, I mean, that's – I mean, who knows? I probably saw, like, one or two of them, but I – you know, honestly, when I was walking in, I knew that at least two of the people I was with were probably going to hate it because they were probably <laughs> expecting the the American Pie party, super bad type of film. And I knew Harmony Korine stuff, and I had never uh, until that point in my life walked into a movie theater to see a Harmony Korine film, and I doubt very many people had – and so I kind of knew going in that he was going to take full advantage of the fact that he is in 3,000 screens across the U.S. right now. And he was going to troll us. And I really think that a lot of the crux of that film in a lot of ways was him being as meta as he could possibly be and as trolly as he could possibly be so that those people who walked in expecting one thing really left with – uh, a different experience. Again, I'd I'd say that that also mimics the experience of the characters. So on that, going back to that meta thing, I think that's really what he was going for. Yeah. And I kind of figured there'd be something like that. I didn't really know what to expect walking in, but I know when I walked out, I was like, I'm I'm about to go watch that again. And I was fucking hammered when Ben showed me, so I had no expectation because I didn't even know what movie we were watching. So Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I just, when I first watched that, it's like walk downstairs and yeah, your head on TV or something. I don't know. Um, do, 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 okay. That's ultimately what I'm chalking this up to is the, the, the big thing here is I don't like Harmony Korean and you guys do. Is that, does that sound like a consensus right now? Uh, yeah, honestly. Yeah, but how many films have, has, have you seen? Have you seen Julian Donkey no, Boy? Seen, okay. I just don't like how he executed okay. his style in this movie. How about okay. that? Now, if I can be the guy in the middle here to say, Ben, do you really expect what you've heard from Josh? Do you expect him to enjoy Trash Humpers? Well, Trash Humpers <laughs> is um, 
absolutely one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest things ever made. It's actually very extremely difficult to find right now. You yeah. can't, you can't even find a digital version of it at the moment. Dude, I used to have a digital copy of it, and I had a hard drive that crashed. I tried to go back no! to people that had my initial rights, and they went out of business. So I basically don't have the movie anymore or access to the film. But that was, again, that was such a meta approach. Basically what Trash Humpers is for anybody who's listening and is like, what? Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was meant to be a, a VHS tape that somebody could be walking down a, a kick rocks road. And you see this VHS tape, and then you don't what's, – what's this VHS? Well, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pop it into my VHS player. And what you find when you put the VHS into your VHS player, you hit play, is a an absolutely horrific uh, two-hour runtime of people just being absolutely degenerate and disgusting murderers, um, rapists, thieves. Uh, it's just – it's a very ugly experience. If you think this movie is an ugly experience, Trash Humpers, I think he actually did Trash Humpers before Spring Breakers. Yeah, oh yeah, and, he did that in and early it is, 2000s. It is absolutely, no, it was early 2010s. Um, oh, was it? But okay. it, was, it was absolutely just disgusting to watch. And, and, it's and, hard. And, it's, and it's a hard watch. Very, very difficult to watch. Intentionally, though. But I think, I would, I would say this, because I actually was trying to get back to this point through that, is... I think yes. the more Harmony Kareen that Harmony Kareen is, the more you might like it. Um, I think if you were to go back and watch Gummo, I think if you were to go back and yeah. watch Julian Donkey Boy, and I think if you were to even go back and watch something like Trash Humpers or Mr. Lonely... I would um, start with Gummo. You, I would definitely start with Gummo. You might appreciate those films enough to allow that to almost reinform your opinion of Spring Breakers because if you see his roots and you see where he started and you see the actual tangible progress he's made as a filmmaker to get to this point to where he's making um, Spring Breakers and also The Beach Bum, uh, which was just recently released with Matthew McConaughey, which oh, is fantastic. To see it. It's great. Oh, um, yeah. Very different. Very different from Spring Breakers. Yeah. But, um, but great film and I think... If you actually kind of go back to his uglier roots, his arguably maybe even more honest roots, um, it might inform you a little bit better as to just his general style, his general approach to doing things, and his just general vibe, if that makes sense. And you might you might appreciate it a little bit more. I, I don't know, though. It's tough to say. You know, taste really is an extremely elusive and subjective thing. So it's tough to convince. I don't, I, as I've gotten older, I've stopped trying to convince people to like a movie that I like because they don't like it. I, it it's it, a hashtag mood. Yeah, it really is. And if you're <laughs> not on the, if you're not on the hashtag, then it is what it is. You know, it's still yeah, good. It sounds it's like it might be, it sounds like I may, might be more okay with his other movies. Um, it's it's not that Spring Breakers was ugly; is that it was annoying. That's uh, I, like I I don't think Spring Breakers was that hard to watch really because it's it's a uh, it's generally a uh, you know pretty looking film in montage form with, with a lot of montages. It's in like famous actors, so it's not like a hard watch per se to sit down and just you know throw it out. Other than how long it feels. Well, I love you, Josh, but, but you need a thesaurus, man, because you've said annoying. Many times we need to get you on some antonyms I don't know. or some synonyms. Yeah, excuse, rather, excuse me. I know I'm I'm struggling to express uh, whatever I felt. Um, 
Uh, let, I'll, I'll just say perturbing for now. Perturbing. There we go. My sensibilities were perturbed. Um, yeah, but I was saying I, that rather than ugly to watch. If uh, that makes sense. I don't think that's unfair. Um, no, nothing for the record. Nothing. I'm I'm only messing around. Nothing Josh has said is unfair. Yeah. And I think I think really your viewpoint is probably shared by a great many people. Yeah. That I'm not here to you know really convince. I'm not on any kind of crusade. Well, I'm not I'm even not... going to say that it's necessarily wrong. I just think that this is one of those kinds of movies that is just simply not. You either like it or you don't, and that's fine. I feel because, like in a way you can either empathize with it or you cannot. Yeah, because it's not it's not The Shining where if you don't like it, I kind of question your overall taste. This is one of those where if somebody really has given it a shot and can't see it, I get it. Yeah. I get it because, like, listen, I like some nasty-ass food that a lot of people don't like. And I'm not going to judge them. He likes kippers. I like kippers and hot sauce. <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to sit here and talk shit about somebody who doesn't like kippers and kippers and hot sauce. You should. And it's much the same with Harmony Kareen as it is Darren Aronofsky as it is John Waters. If it ain't for you, as long as it's as long as you have as long as you don't like it for the right reasons, I get it. I totally get it. And the reasons that you bring up, for the most part, I can understand them. There's a couple, you know, that, that I don't necessarily see your point of view, but I get why this doesn't click with you the way it does maybe me or Ben. Or other I, uh, distinguished sorry, gentlemen. Your, your voice makes me feel like you're saying I'm like a normie who can't understand or who can't appreciate. Well, we were things. trying to be very polite about it because you had us on yeah, your I, show. I know, I know. It's just I just make fun of Jason. Yeah, Thomas. I mean, I'm um, just like, <laughs> listen, I've been here stroking my cock for how long now? It's and really I getting gross, and I, I feel like you've got to be edging by I now. got a bust at some point. <laughs> okay, um, any, any, any final thoughts uh, of trying to sell this movie to whoever may be listening? Well, because look at all the shit. Yeah, look at all of my shit. Look at all my shit. I got my nunchucks. I got my dark tannin oil. Sit out by the pool with, with my dark, dark tannin, tannin oil. oil. Got shorts. Every got color. shorts every color. Every color. And this this bed, you can't see it, but this bed is not just a bed. This bed is an it's art piece. Some motherfucking spaceship. Yeah. We're about to go about to space to in this bitch. Off. I'm from a different planet, y'all. I'm from a different planet, y'all. Look at all my shit. Spring break. Spring break forever. Spring break forever. Spring break. You don't just like this movie ironically. That's what that's what's coming across right now. Yeah, we're actually doing such a meta review that we hate the movie, but we're making it sound like we love the movie. Oh, see, I was on one more layer of meta where I do like it, but then I pretend to dislike it. it, But really, you're trying to make people think that you like it. Yes. Even though your fake self hates it, but you really, really like it. Yes, because I've watched so many Plinkett reviews that I've lost the ability to think for myself. That's exactly right. Me too. Wait, 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 wait. That's the one true thing you said so far, though. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. It's not okay. God forbid me and Mike's the Klossa just have similar taste. <laughs> That's uh, right, Jake. That a, <laughs> That's right, Susan. Is, 
This has been uh, Deep Beats for Vendetta, Internet Blood Sports Edition, uh, talking about Spring Breakers. Uh, can you give another plug for um, movies before and after? after. Uh, oh. There'll also be a link in the, uh, in the description for the, the podcast, but I can get to another plug and where people can find it. Yeah, so in case you can't – okay, so this is a little convoluted. I want you to bear with me for just one just second, credit. okay? It's like the link in the description. In the movie. What we have – What will the, the, the viewer's experience, the, the URL typer's experience be finding this, this – uh, this YouTube series. Right now, there are five episodes online. Uh, we've got Phantom Thread, I, Tanya, The Shape of Water, uh, uh, blah, 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 Black, Black Panther, Panther, and The Post, which is kind of a meme review. Don't start with The Post, because that one's kind of a uh, recurring meme sketch that we were doing. Um, yeah, anyways, we saw The Post, ironically. Yeah, which... it's a fucking terrible movie. Spoiler alert. Anyways, uh, so uh, we go in speculating on a movie we have not seen and then we come back and we compare what we've actually seen to our speculation of it and we're actually getting ready to branch out and do a couple other different things so for instance we're going to relaunch in june with the movie contagion by steven soderbergh because of all this coronavirus uh stuff that's been going on and really, if I'm being honest with you, I saw the movie. I saw the movie back when it first came out, but I barely remember it. So, And I've and never seen it. We're going to start doing some kind of retroactive uh, before and afters where, you know, I've seen Sunset Boulevard, but it was like 12 years ago. I barely even remember it. So we might do a before and after on something like Sunset Boulevard. We You've might never do, seen Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Any, no, Nothing is off uh, limits, and despite my own personal taste or Jake's personal own taste, often we cross over into the realm of things that are just simply topical. Me, we never would have gone to see Black Panther of our own volition if we didn't have a show to, to do. Um, but... You know, it's it's actually kind of interesting because I got a lot out of doing that review in a weird way. I didn't get a lot out of the movie, but I got a lot out of doing the review and going into the theater and seeing a Marvel movie that I normally wouldn't have gone to go and see. It was fun. It was something that uh, it provoked a lot of discussion. It was something that everybody was talking about at the time. It was really hot. So... I mean, I knew what it was going to be, and it was... You know, and then we also went and saw Phantom Thread, which is a movie nobody gave a fuck about. And but yeah. we personally one of the better Paul Thomas Anderson. But we were personally very invested in it because we love the director. So it's you know, we'll go see just about anything or we'll revisit just about anything. And if you uh And if you at, donate at the fifty dollar level every month, we will see the movie that you recommend. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get a, if you folks out there want to help us get to hundred subscribers and so that we can have a, a reasonable URL to plug. Um, we'll start taking requests for movies that you would like for yeah, us to that's go back and watch. I'll let him uh, So I'll, I'll take that. But um, anyways, yeah, we're movies before and after. You can follow the link in the description that Josh has so kindly uh, included. And also, if you don't feel like – if you feel like just typing it into YouTube, the best way to do that is actually to type in movies before and after The Shape of Water because it's our most popular video. It was our first episode, and it will take you directly to our channel so that you can hit the subscribe button. So um, subscribe in the meantime, and then we will be coming back in June, like I said, with I think um, Contagion uh, I think is a really topical, uh, fun pick yeah. for this whole COVID-19 crisis. Well, I don't know shit about crisis. the movie, so. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Facebook.com slash group slash film posting. Yes. And yeah, thank boy. you all for listening. Have a good night.